You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa on behalf of Peterbrook Chocolatier. Certainly want to thank each and every one of you who made Peterbrook Chocolatier part of your Easter weekend. I know 14 years in business, the chocolate lady, her tremendous staff, they do not take it for granted that you folks absolutely make Peterbrook Chocolatier what it is and can't thank you enough for that. Joined on the program, speaking of holidays, it's Jacob Harrison Day here on Southern Fried Sports. Jacob and myself, of course, combined to form the 60-bit-a-boo of Sports Talk Radio. But this is a very special Monday on the program because one Jacob Harrison has just completed another trip around the sun. Jacob Harrison, where are we at now in the chronological order of things in your lifetime? This is the 27th trip. Wow. Awesome. Happy birthday, Jacob. Thank you. And you know, you know what we're going to do? You know what we've done today on the program? And I told Jacob this before the show. There's a lot of things about this show that I would probably hand over and probably not much of a struggle would be involved for a lot of it. <laughs> but the one thing on this show that we take especially serious, as you should know by now, is the playlist theme of the day. And for Jacob Harrison's uh, birthday – He has control of today's playlist. So I'm anxious. I told him not to tell me what he's got lined up. I want to be surprised. So today's playlist theme brought to you by the birthday boy, Jacob Harrison. Looking forward to that. Hey, uh, what a weekend, right? What a weekend. And not the weekend that many of us had hoped for. Certainly in the early stages of the weekend with the passing of Luke Ratliff the Alabama student, the ardent supporter of all things University of Alabama, not just a football fan, not just a basketball fan. Luke embodied the spirit, truly, of what it means to be a supporter, a true supporter. There's lots of fans out there, but an ardent supporter. In other words, Luke walked it like he talked it by all accounts. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was especially close to Luke, but how could I not be ultra familiar with this individual and how he impacted things around the University of Alabama community from the standpoint of being a day in, day out, minute in, minute out supporter of the Crimson Tide. So just extremely sad. And typically in situations like this involving young people, my attention immediately goes to the parents, to the immediate family, the loved ones, Because I can only imagine, as the parent of a 25-year-old, of a 23-year-old, Luke, 23 years old, of a 19-year-old University of Alabama student, I can only imagine what those folks are enduring right now. And that's why we send certainly our thoughts and prayers to those folks, love and light to everyone involved and uh, friends uh, of Luke Ratliff. And we're right there with you, absolutely. And out and about on Saturday night, 
with the wife and some friends and really classy, heartfelt touch by the city of Tuscaloosa, led by Mayor Walt Maddox. We were out downtown, uh, came out of uh, session, our favorite uh, cold drink establishment. If we're just going to do cold drinks or an after dinner drink, it's session. Hunter and that crew, they're out of this world. But we come out of there, we hang a right, we go by City Hall, and while Maddox had tweeted earlier on Saturday that City Hall would be illuminated in colors of red and white light in honor of Luke Ratliff, and it was a sight to see. I believe that was still the case last night downtown. As we walked through the courtyard there at City Hall uh, and cut over, Right there at Government Plaza, the central parking garage, heat pizza bar, all that right there at Government Plaza. Also had the alternating red and white lights working at Government Plaza. Just outstanding. And just another reminder of how much Luke impacted so many people on so many levels. Not just a singular level. Multiple levels did Luke Ratliff have an impact. And again, all we know to do is send our sincerest condolences and uh, sorrows, really, to the uh, Ratliff family. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump in with us on a Monday, we are wide open throughout the program, guest-free on a Monday. Typically, Mondays are winners and losers, so we'll get into some of that around the sports world. Thankfully, Sunday, really Saturday night, late Saturday night into Sunday, provided some at least salve. It didn't heal, and it won't heal. It couldn't heal the events of Friday night. But you had the Final Four semifinal, the second game on Saturday with UCLA and Gonzaga, just incredible theater. Uh, Suggs with the game winner, the bank shot from 40 feet to win it for the Zags and send them into tonight's championship game, the matchup we had all anticipated. A little tougher for Gonzaga to get there than any of us anticipated. But it is here nonetheless. Baylor and Gonzaga tonight from Indianapolis. And we talk about Luke Ratliff. How about Luke Ratliff getting a well-deserved spot in One Shining Moment? You know, the One Shining Moment montage that CBS does on an annual basis following the championship game. Kind of takes you out of the broadcast and out of the college basketball season in general. I got to think there's a place for Luke, right, in one shining moment tonight. Maybe a reaction to Alex Reese drilling that three-pointer at the buzzer or in the final seconds to send that UCLA game into uh, into overtime. All the credit in the world, by the way, to UCLA, too. I mean, Mick Cronin, if there's a coach of the tournament award that you want to hand out, yeah, I think Mick Cronin of UCLA has pretty much got that baby. He beat the two-seed in the East region to get to the eight and then beats the one seed to get to the four and absolutely played the nation's top team Gonzaga off of its feet Saturday night. So that was helpful on Saturday night into Sunday. Uh, Sunday, you had a women's national championship game that did not disappoint in any form or fashion. The Stanford Cardinal nip, The Cinderella's, Cinderella's in some ways, Arizona was a three seed, so it wasn't like the Arizona women were an 11 seed, but a hell of a game over in San Antonio. Stanford survives two buzzer beater attempts in the semifinal win over South Carolina, and then once again on Sunday night in the national championship game. So it was a really good run there from Saturday night late through Sunday. And even the women's semifinal games on Friday were outstanding. I told you on Friday that I thought South Carolina-Stanford, if you combine the women's and men's final fours from over the weekend, I I felt like South Carolina-Stanford would be the game of the weekend. And I was right, right up until UCLA and Gonzaga gave us a game for all time, probably a top three game of my lifetime, when you consider the circumstances, what's at stake, just tremendous basketball by both UCLA and Gonzaga. But the ladies delivered, man. The ladies delivered all weekend as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. We'll obviously get into some spring football talk 
as well. The Crimson Tide held its first spring scrimmage on Friday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Sounds like it was a good Friday for Bryce Young. Some other areas of the Alabama football team that we will get into as we move throughout the program as well. You had a good weekend for Alabama softball. Patrick Murphy's team sweeps the Aggies of Texas A&M, scored a lot of runs in the process. You know, we've had the discussion in the past about softball at the college level, and there's a lot of bros out there that equate fast-pitch softball to their beer league slow-pitch team or the league they're in. Nah, bro, not the same thing. This isn't where you go out and score 15 runs a game and then go drink a case out in the parking lot post-game. You know, typically at this level in the SEC, you score three or four runs, that's that's a lot in a lot of games. Well, Alabama exploded over the weekend against Texas A&M for a grand total of 33 runs. Outscored the Aggies by 18 runs over the weekend. Some of the same names, Bailey Hempel, Claire Jenkins, Kaylee Tao, Alexis Mack, Alyssa Brown, all with some good stuff. It was good to see Savannah Woodard get it going, too. A little bit late there in the series, but she got it going nonetheless. Really solid relief pitching on Saturday in that final game from Crystal Goodman, Sarah Cornell. They combined for three and two-thirds, didn't give up an earned run. Alabama now nine and three in the league, and they go to 12-0 and Arkansas coming up this weekend. Arkansas has swept four straight series to open SEC play, including over the weekend at Auburn. And then you get Florida in here in a couple weekends. So some big stuff coming down the pike for Patrick Murphy's club here in the next couple of weekends. Alabama baseball, really close, really close to sweeping a top 10 team in Tennessee. But a few too many walks, allowing a few too many runs, and they end up dropping two of three to the Vols. The Vols leadoff hitter in yesterday's rubber game reached base in eight of the nine innings. And typically, if that happens, you're going to give up at least nine runs, what Alabama did yesterday in a nine-to-eight loss. Of course, Alabama dropped the 11-inning game on Saturday. So when you think about extra innings on Saturday, nine-eight game yesterday, you're that close to a sweep. And right now, this team just needs a series win, just a series win of any kind at two and seven in the league would uh, be especially helpful to Alabama baseball. Crazy year. It's always crazy, though. Is it really crazy, though, I guess, in baseball when you look at the standings and you see LSU at 1-8 and eight in the league? You think the folks in Baton Rouge are real happy with Paul Maneri right now? At 1-8 and eight after being swept at home by an outstanding Vanderbilt team down there at the box over the weekend. Auburn also at 1-8 and eight in the league. ULM was supposed to be in here midweek to take on Alabama tomorrow and Wednesday. At last check, I saw where I think the Tuesday game has been canceled. And so one game against ULM, I'm guessing, on Wednesday before heading to Texas A&M for the weekend. A&M 3-6 in the league. So another opportunity coming up for Alabama to get on the winning side of a series uh, on the baseball diamond. 205-342. 9904. Speaking of baseball, the Braves with a forgettable weekend up in Philly get swept by the Phillies. 0 3 to start the season. We're supposed to play in D.C. against the Nationals today. The Nationals have been struck by COVID, so that game today will not take place. The Nationals are just hoping to be able to work out this afternoon. And then play tomorrow. Play get that Brave series going tomorrow up there in Washington, D.C. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some football talk, Alabama scrimmage talk, winners and losers from the sports weekend. How about Shohei Otani of the Angels last night? Part of that salve I was talking about that tried to help us on the back end of a tough, tough weekend. Otani of the Angels, he was incredible. He was certainly a winner from the weekend. We'll talk about him as we move throughout the show as well. More Southern Fried Sports on a Monday, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, right here on Side 100.9 FM, right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on band sports, and it's brought to you by C Spire. 
Add Seaspire Fiber to your roster at cspire.com slash alfiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama softball completed the weekend sweep over Texas A&M with a 14-6 run rule win Saturday afternoon at Rhodes Stadium. The Crimson Tide offense tied its season high with 16 hits, led by three hit performances from Alexis Mack and Savannah Woodard. Alabama had a pair of home runs in the day, including a three-run shot from Bailey Hemphill and a grand slam from Kaylee Tell, part of a career-high five runs batted in for the Madisonville, Kentucky native. Up next, Alabama softball will be at Arkansas next weekend with games Friday to Sunday in Fayetteville. I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats. Slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Ceasefire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber fast internet that works. Ceasefire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at ceasefirebusiness.com. Alabama baseball went one and two over the weekend, defeating six-ranked Tennessee seven to four on Friday night, fueled by home runs by Sam Prater and Drew Williamson. The Vols took the Saturday contest eight to four in eleven innings. Alabama and Tennessee had a hard-fought game on Easter Sunday, with Tennessee winning nine to eight in a game that featured home runs for Prater, Peyton Wilson, and Owen Diodati. Alabama will next host ULM on Tuesday and Wednesday at the Joe. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide today brought to you by Seaspire. Crimson Tide today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A good supply of sunshine today with a high at 77. For tonight, fair with a low at 54. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 78. Wednesday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. We could see a few scattered showers by afternoon. The high Wednesday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. today smells like is that jacob harrison yeah i think it is the birthday boy bringing some nirvana on the 27th anniversary of the passing of kurt cobain great minds and whatnot birthday boy i mean kurt when would have been there every yeah. year when your birthday comes around you have to realize the fact that ah, one of your favorite artists Passed yeah. away the night that you were born is is always kind of weird. <laughs> oh man, yeah that 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 was on the day, right? Yep, I was born that morning. He was. Born that night. Well, I, I know where you were. I know where I I know where you were, but I know where I was because that Cobain news was one of those where were you moments, and so I know where I was on your birthday. I was headed up to Fernandina Beach, Florida, with pops to watch some high school baseball on what I remember as a nor'easter type day down in northeast Florida yeah wow I figured you might have a little nirvana up your sleeve today 205-342-9904 that is the Peterbrook Chocolate your studio line now, Jacob, when it comes to your birthday, are you a big party guy? Do you like to sort of go low key? Or are you a birthday week guy? Um, how does that work for you? What do you prefer? How do you like your birthday to be sort of, sort of managed? I guess on I'm, an annual basis. I'm pretty low key. Like I don't tell anybody it's my birthday. Like if they find out, you know, and and you know they say happy birthday and all that, like I'm really appreciative. Uh, I don't try to avoid it. 
but I, I'm I'm really just a go out and have a great dinner kind of guy, which is what we uh-huh. did last night. So I mean, what did you do? Did you, did you do the great American tradition, which is the Japanese steakhouse? That was on the table, but we opted to to go Literally. the little half shell instead, yeah. and Ooh. Got, got me a big old steak. Nice, good for you, man. Can't beat that half shell right there on the corner, University in Greensboro. Absolutely good stuff. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolate Tier Studio Line. If you'd like to check in on this Monday, it is a winners and losers Monday of the program. And you got Masters Week cranking up, man. We love us some Masters Week. You got to look at it from the glass half full perspective, Jacob. Your birthday coincides with the start of Masters Week. Absolutely, we love it. So uh, looking forward to that event on an annual basis. You get the spring football scrimmages kind of coinciding with the Masters coming in here in early April. And perfect weather by all accounts for that scrimmage over at Brian Denny Stadium on Friday afternoon. Some of the chatter, some of the talk coming from that scrimmage, some of it you heard from Nick Saban himself, post-scrimmage on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, was that Bryce Young looked like the way you hoped he would look as a second-year quarterback, as the apparent successor to Mac Jones. Had some people tell me that not only did Bryce Young performed well, that Bryce Young, I quote, looked effing awesome. I don't know. How does that sound? Does that sound like the the seal of approval? Now, you heard from Nick Saban post-scrimmage, and uh, sounds like it was a good bit of ones versus twos work. It wasn't good versus good throughout the scrimmage. Maybe in some of the situational work, that was more of this, uh, you know, red zone, goal line, things like that, short yardage. Uh, but regardless, Bryce Young apparently performing the way that Alabama fans would hope for and meshing with a new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach in Bill O'Brien the way that you would like. Offensive skill guys apparently did some good things. You heard from Nick Saban again. So you went into this thing. If you went into Friday scrimmage as an Alabama fan wondering about one thing more than any other, it probably should have been how is this offensive line going to hold up even against the twos? Even if it is ones versus twos, how is this revamped offensive line going to hang in against a defensive front, even if you include the outside linebackers in that mix beyond Christopher Allen and Will Anderson, capable of giving what Alabama has right now with no Emil Echior in that first group a lot of problems. And so from what we understand at BamaOnline.com, it was essentially Chris Owens at center, uh, Evan Neal at left tackle. You had Tommy Brown, Javion Cohen at the guards, and Damian George at right tackle. Now they they mix guys, they mix up lineups a little bit. Typically during scrimmages, you get a little bit of a you get a little bit of a rigmarole sometimes. With you get different looks and different combinations, but. That has been through the halfway point of spring practice, the first five that we have heard the most when you talk about the guys we just outlined for you. Uh, plenty of guys are still in that mix. So, you know, plenty of opportunities still for a couple of early enrollees and J.C. Latham and Tommy Brockermeyer. I know some folks, they hear that about the offensive line. They go, well, what the heck? Brockermeyer and Latham are five stars. Well, yeah. But, you know, it's not like Alabama – and I think this is very interesting to point out because the 2019 and 2021 recruiting classes, when you talk about offensive line halls, were elite, were elite 2019-2021 most recently. But what that 2020 class may not have had in the kind of numbers are star rankings that 19 and 21 had. You got Javion Cohen, Damian George getting some first-team looks. So it may prove to have been a very good group as well. What you like about guys like Cohen and George is that they're apparently doing the things they need to do in the areas of strength and conditioning with an emphasis on Damian George probably more so than even Javion Cohen uh, to get themselves in this position. Now, you've got some other situations involved, obviously. 
you've got a situation interior wise, as we talked about with Ekior out. You know, Pierce Quick has been dealing with some stuff going back to last season there on the interior. Uh, Kendall Randolph is a very, very valuable utility option when you talk about going from guard to tackle to tight end. But as far as a true guard or true tackle, he's a little bit in between. That's why he is really, really perfect for what they've done with him at tight end the last couple of years. So as far as an every down big picture option, if you're going into a season and saying, this is our guy we're going to try to ride with for 13, 14, 15 games, it's probably going to be one of those guys like a Damian George or a Cohen or a Brockermeyer or a Latham. That's what you're looking at as far as developing the big picture guy at one of those tackle spots opposite Evan Neal. But they have quality players. They just don't have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. So you would expect, especially if the twos on offense are going against those ones on defense, that it probably wasn't an easy day for guys like Paul Tyson quarterbacking that second team offense. It matters. Now, we've had the discussion before here on the program. The other side of that, is when I hear people, and coaches do it too, they'll discount the performance of a guy on a second unit, whether it's offense or defense, because, well, they were going against second-team guys. They weren't going – well, I mean, it's relative. If you're if you're on the twos going against the twos and you blow it up, that's impressive. That's still impressive. Just like if you're on the ones and you blow it up against the ones. You know? I never get that argument. Yeah, he had a great scrimmage, but he did it against the twos. Well, he was with the twos. That drives me crazy. Can you tell? We'll take a quick break. We'll regroup. We'll recover. We'll poise ourselves for a second half of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I think I might have, you know, just probably taken the same list that you probably had in the past. But, yeah, 19 years ago, Lane Staley. Staley and Cobain on the same date, or the same calendar date. Not year, but crazy. It is a Monday happy birthday, Jacob Harrison edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. It's also Jim Nance Day. Did you know that? You know why it's Jim Nance Day? The recently extended and salary bumped Jim Nance. I think Jim Nance is getting like $10 million a year now to do what all of us would dream to do. Call NFL football. Call PGA Tua Golf with an emphasis on the Masters Tournament. And also tonight. He'll call the national championship game, as he does on a yearly basis, for CBS. Jim Nance Day, because he goes from, he'll go directly from Indianapolis to Augusta, Georgia, Daddy, where he will work the Masters this week. And I've always said one of the real undervalued transitions of this little stretch that Jimma goes through each and every year is that he goes from the Masters to Hilton Head Island right after 
So he goes national championship on Monday night for college hoops, college men's basketball, straight to Augusta for tradition unlike any other. And then he recharges by going to the Heritage event on the PGA Tour. Not bad. Not bad to be Jim Nance, right? And he also lives off one of the uh, holes there at Pebble Beach on the Monterey Peninsula. Pretty good to be Jim Nance. Jim Nance Day on this Monday. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. By the way, if you're wondering about Alabama representation in Augusta, you're going to have Michael Thompson. Slicks back at the Masters. Third appearance for Michael Thompson, the former University of Alabama All-American. His first trip to Augusta since 2013. Of course, Michael Thompson gave us one of the more thrilling sports moments amidst the pandemic last year that we had for quite some time there. Remember, the PGA Tour went back in like late June of last year. That's about all we had. I know I was writing pro golf on BamaOnline.com for an extended stretch. That's all we had. But uh, Michael Thompson courtesy of his win at the 3M Open up in Minnesota last summer. That's his qualifier for this 2021 Masters. At the time, there was some confusion that, well, he won a tour event, so he would play in the Masters in November, but that was the 2020 Masters played in November of last year. So it was deferred until the 2021 event, and so here he is. Michael Slick Thompson back at the Masters. Justin Thomas, of course, back in Augusta. Finished fourth there last November. I've got Justin Thomas as one of my five or six guys, no doubt about it. Fourth place finish at the fall version of the Masters. It's his sixth career appearance over there. So he has a very, very good understanding of the lay of the land over there at Augusta National Golf Club. Um, you've got some other storylines, of course, no Tiger Woods. Uh, that's always, uh, a little bit of a bummer. I'd say when uh tiger isn't able to play there in his backyard, of course, tiger still recovering from that near fatal car crash in Southern California a month or so ago. So there'll still be a lot of talk about tiger Woods. We just won't have tiger actually teen it up there, uh, in Georgia. So, uh, that's the masters tournament coming You'll have the par three, I guess, okay, and then they'll they'll do it for real starting on Thursday morning. 205-342-9904, Shohei Otani. Otani last night. You know, I was talking with Cecil Hurt this morning. We were just chatting it up, and, of course, we were talking about Luke and his passing. Cecil, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you had, just one hell of a eulogy, an ode a tribute to Luke and the Tuscaloosa news and at tidesports.com over the weekend. Uh, and we got onto this topic of Otani of the angels last night. And we asked each other if we had seen anything like this in baseball in our lifetimes where a guy, especially an American leaguer. Okay. He doesn't have to hit an American leaguer is not only the starting pitcher, but he's hitting in the two hole last night in Otani. And not only that, in the first inning, he lights up the gun at 101 miles per hour. And then in the bottom of the inning, proceeds to hit a ball 450 feet into the bleachers and right center field. I've never seen anything like that in baseball. Damnedest thing I've ever seen in baseball was last night. Much needed, as we talked about at the outset of the show. We needed that women's national championship game to be what it was last night. We needed, you want me to watch more major league baseball MLB? I'm not really, I'm not really down on the bat flips and the more animation from players and enthusiasm and emotion and energy. I keep hearing how we need more of that to get people to watch the game. I don't personally, I don't care about that. Give me more Otani's. That's what that's what you got to give me. Give me more guys that are treating Major League Baseball like it is Class 2A high school baseball. Like it's American Christian taking on 
Hale County this afternoon or something. We're going to put Tommy in the two-hole, and he's going to start on the mound. That's what Otani did in Major League Baseball last night. Again, this was the American League. They hit for the pitcher in the American League. They have the DH. And this dude is not only still hitting and pitching, he's hitting in the two-hole. There's been some really good pitchers that were good hitters for pitchers. Guys like Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin was a really good hitter. If you grew up with the Braves kind of in your formative years, you recall those guys. John Smoltz, good hitter. They couldn't do both, though. They weren't everyday hitters that also were in the starting rotation. Never seen anything like that from Otani last night with the Angels. Hell of a game, too. I'm sitting there watching the first inning. It was nice, too, because it went from the ESPN went from the women's national championship game into Sunday night baseball, which was the White Sox and the Angels. Ended up being a great game. And not only that, I'm sitting there watching it with the wife, and I'm telling her, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in Major League Baseball, what Otani's doing. And then leading off the game for the Chicago White Sox is Tim Anderson from right down the street at Hillcrest High School. It was awesome. It was absolutely fabulous. So Major League Baseball, that's all you got to do if you want to keep me engaged in your sport, other than the Braves. Give me a lot of Otanis, and I'll be there. I'll be, I'll be zoned in. I'll be, uh, I'll be ready to go. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. We talked about Alabama scrimmage on Friday. And Bryce Young, the quarterback situation, offensive line, trying to not only develop depth, but identify a first five up front. And depth, really across the board, is going to be, for me anyway, something when A-Day rolls around in a couple Saturdays, I'm going to be very fascinated to see how some of that plays out. Because really, at every spot, you know, even if there isn't an abundance of competition for starting roles, how the third guy at inside linebacker is going to play out. Yeah, I can see Shane Lee being the top backup at middle linebacker, but is he a swing guy between Mike and Will? It's pretty interchangeable, those two positions. Is Demoy Kennedy, you know, one of these second-year guys at linebacker, ready to make a move? Is Deontay Lawson, as an early enrollee, a real factor there? Very early on in his career, What about wide receiver? Slade Bolden, active, our understanding once again in the scrimmage on Friday. Javon Baker, apparently, some nice things. How's that play out at wide receiver? Offensive line, identifying your starter at right tackle, but then also who's your third tackle? Who's your starting guard other than Echior? Who's your third guy? When it comes to the interior of the offensive line, do you have one guy that you can swing between guard and center? Is Dahlcourt the true backup? Or is he in legitimate competition with Chris Owens for that spot? In other words, I don't think just because you heard about some things in that first scrimmage that, well, this is the way it's going to go from here on out. I think it's going to be a great final two weeks of spring football from a perspective of competition. Probably this first half has been a lot about teaching and installation and things like that. But I would think this next scrimmage is going to be okay. Training wheels were on pretty securely in that first scrimmage. It's going to take them off a little bit more here, and we're going to find out who can actually play within our systems. So this Saturday I'll be telling, I think, in a lot of ways, cornerback is in that mix. You know, is it Jalen Armour Davis that's going to be the guy opposite Josh Joe? Marcus Banks, banged up, but in that mix. Newcomer in Jaquincy McKinstry, in that mix. Ronald Williams, a junior college transfer. Safety, Jordan Battle. Seems like DeMarco Ellums more and more is nailing down that other spot. But third safety competition. Daniel Wright's a veteran. Malachi Moore out right now. Brian Branch in that mix. Running back position, back to offense. Sounds like Jace McClellan did some good things on Friday. You know I'm a big fan of Keelan Robinson. Brian Robinson, a lot of value as a fifth-year guy. Yeah, 
So it goes beyond just starting roles, establishing legitimate depth at so many spots on this Alabama team going to be a big part of the to-do list over the back half of spring football and into the summer and looking ahead to fall camp 2021. Going to step aside for a final break. We come back more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Hey, this Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A good supply of sunshine today with a high at 77. For tonight, fair with a low at 54. Tomorrow, partially sunny, the high 78. Wednesday, a mixture of clouds and sunshine. We could see a few scattered showers by afternoon. The high Wednesday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Birthday boy would uh, probably wrap up his birthday playlist theme with some uh, death metal for us. I don't think death I death metal. It's just some good old Metallica. death metal is what pops call pops calls that pops calls that hillbilly acid rock whatever that is. Pops <laughs> used to when I would listen to Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. I, I never understood what hillbilly acid rock was. But he called everything he didn't like that. And I like Metallica, though. One of the best shows I've ever seen was Metallica at a Bonnaroo in, like, 08, 09. By the way, that Bonnaroo lineup for September looks pretty good. But uh, the birthday boy going to wind it up today with some Metallica as he takes the reins of the playlist thing. There he goes. Yes, Kirk on the lead guitar. Absolutely. They brought my guy in from Suicidal Tendencies, the punk rock band, years ago to play that bass. Robert Trujillo. There you go. Duke and Thumpet. See, I probably know more than you think I know about some of this stuff, Jacob, even for an old fart, even for a boomer. You know, I am not going one-on-one with you in music trivia. We'll just put it that way. (laughs) Metallica, though, has been around forever, man. Been around forever. Hey, um, winners and losers on a Monday. I think college basketball is a winner, you know, for no longer having the consolation game. Did you know they used to have a third-place game for the NCAA tournament? Could you imagine? Could you imagine being UCLA after being gutted like that? And that loss to Gonzaga. And then, hey, by the way, you guys need to show up Monday night or actually like Monday afternoon. Y'all are going to play at like five in the afternoon central on Monday in a uh, third place game against Houston. Used to have it. Used to have the third place game. They did away with it back in 1981. That was your last consolation game. In the NCAA tournament, I don't think we needed it. I'm surprised in a way, though, man. If CBS could make some money off that, they're missing out on some TV spots, aren't they? Maybe the CBS Evening News does better than uh, a third-place game would do. But 1981, LSU and Dale Brown lost to Virginia. Indiana, in the varsity game that evening, beat North Carolina. For the national championship. And by the way, in 1981, you still had 48 teams in the tournament. It wasn't 64 or even 68 at that point. And also in 1981, did you know, DYK, as the kids say on the social media, there was first and second round NCAA tournament games, Jacob Harrison, here in Tuscaloosa at Coleman Coliseum. Tuscaloosa was an NCAA tournament first and second round site. In 1981. Crazy to think about it now with what that event has become, but no third place game to suffer through this evening. So we got that going for us, which is nice. What we also might have going for us in the NFL coming up is this proposal to expand the use of single digit numbers. I guess the Chiefs are proposing this. 
And it looks like it's going to go through. And Jacob Harrison, you sound like you're a big proponent of expanding the single digit numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's, why not? Why? Why? I mean, yeah, I understand. Like the actual reason the rules in place is so that coordinators can see what personnel is on the field and and all that, but. It, it just it felt wrong that Reggie Bush had to wear twenty five. You know, like a lot of these guys come in and you you recognize who they are with their numbers, and then they have to wear some ugly number that doesn't fit who they are as a player. Uh, I will say though, uh, I did see uh, a possible you know breakdown of how these numbers would still be allocated. Defense alignment still get no respect in this and would not be allowed <laughs> to wear anything below 50. I want to see my 350-pound nose tackle wearing number one for my Steelers. <laughs> you had guys here like Jeff Pagan that wore, I believe, number eight as a defensive lineman. So you've had some of that at Alabama. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I guess my question is, if you're if you're Amari Cooper, do you go back to nine? You know that you wore at Alabama. What if you're Jerry Judy? You gonna wear four? Um, and I think it's also these teams aren't stupid, right, Jacob? This is a way to sell more merchandise. You can sell more jerseys this way. Well, not only that, if you do change your number, uh, I don't know if they would still uphold this since they changed the rule uh, or would have changed the rule. Um, but you know, remember back when Cam Newton was thinking about going back to number two, yeah. he would have had to buy back the inventory of unsold number one Cam Newton uh, jerseys, and that uh, gets expensive when you're a big name. Yeah, yeah, that could be a problem. That could be an issue. But yeah, I mean, I could totally see. That. I see where Jalen Hurts is going to one up in Philly. He uh, he's doing away with the two that he wore last year. Of course, he wore two here at Alabama. He wore one. At Oklahoma, and he's going to wear one in 2021. So some Jersey news there as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. We'd be remiss if we didn't congratulate also University of Alabama Gymnastics with a regional championship over the weekend at Coleman Coliseum. A couple of tens turned in by UA. And so it's on to Fort Worth for the NCAA championships for Dana Duckworth squad. The SEC champion. Alabama gymnastics team. So uh, good stuff there. Good stuff there as well. And again, we continue to look forward to the Masters coming up throughout the week. Uh, how will the Alabama guys do? I think Justin Thomas is set. I was going to pick. I was set to pick Jordan Speed this week. I really was. And then on my social media timeline yesterday, as he was moving through that Texas Open and Picking up his first win. I couldn't believe this yesterday. It had been four years, basically, since Jordan Spieth had won on the PGA Tour. And first time since 2017, Spieth wins in his home state, the Valero Texas Open. Impressive performance. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I might like Jordan to get it done at Augusta National, but too many people are on him now, you know? So now I'm thinking more along the lines of under-the-radar guy like Cam Smith, Cameron Smith from Australia, kind of on his bandwagon a little bit. He tied for second at uh, at the Masters last November. So that's kind of where my head's at more now is with chalk guys like Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas. And then that next group, I'm thinking Cameron Smith. I think Sergio Garcia would be a pretty good pick this week. Brian Harmon, former Georgia Bulldog, I would throw out there in that next wave. Gary Woodland playing a little bit better of late. He could be one of those guys. Matt Kuchar doesn't tip worth a damn to his caddies, but Georgia Tech guy playing pretty good of late. Ryan Palmer, Charles Schwartzel, some guys like that. Pretty wide open, I would say. Brooks Kepka is trying at last check, coming off his latest knee procedure to make it happen. And, of course, you can't overlook DJ. I mean, DJ just won there in November. So it uh, should be another fun week over at Augusta National Golf Club. Winners and losers from the weekend. You see where Dion? Dion dropped his second straight. 
at Jackson State. Coach Prime, excuse me. Dion has instructed the media and the broadcasters. If you watch Jackson State football against Southern over the weekend, you notice that the announcers on ESPN kept referring to Dion Sanders as Coach Prime. That is his official designation. It's not Dion Sanders. It's not Coach Sanders. His official designation is Coach Prime. Well, Coach Prime has dropped two state, two straight. Southern went into Jackson Memorial Stadium yesterday or over the weekend and hammered JSU 34-14 to for a second straight game. Dion wasn't happy in the postgame either. Now, he wasn't happy down in Montgomery a couple weeks ago because, well, he was trolled on the video boards <laughs> after the loss to Bama State. They went retro Jerry Curl days on Dion and put a big picture of him up on the video boards at Alabama State after the loss to ASU. Well, yesterday it was his own team he wasn't happy with. Or over the weekend, he wasn't happy with his own team. I guess that was Saturday evening. Uh, Wasn't happy at all. JSU got worked by the Jags of Southern. And so uh, you've also got some basketball recruiting that we'll keep you up with as we move throughout the week. Charles Bediaco, the 6'11 post from IMG, heavily connected to Alabama, the Canadian, being recruited primarily by Brian Hodgson. And, of course, Nate Oates, the big man expected here in the next few days potentially to make an announcement. Namari Burnett is set for April the 8th, the Texas Tech transfer wing. So uh, some basketball recruiting news that you might keep your ears and eyes open for in the coming days as well. Of course, we'll have you covered with all that at BamaOnline.com and right here on Tide 100.9 FM. That's going to do it for a birthday edition for Jacob Harrison here on the program. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks to you for listening. The lunch whistle on this Monday is Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. They'll take great care of you. They'll take care of that case of the Mondays for you. Great place to watch the game tonight, too. They'll have it on over there. At Southern Ale House. Get by there get that Yardbird chicken sandwich, man. Forget about all these fast food chicken sandwich wars. Do it right. Go with the Varsity. The Varsity chicken sandwich. The Yardbird. Southern Ale House. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Bye.